0: You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast. Scripturally speaking, aside from Jesus, of course, no one had a larger role on the morning of the resurrection than Mary Magdalene. She came, she saw, she couldn't believe her eyes. The tomb was empty. But there was no rejoicing in her heart. She wept in agony because she thought robbers had stolen the body. And so this woman had lost the one that she followed so closely. Mary had come a long way. She had been rescued from the dark side by Jesus. And now here she was at the tomb, and then in one stunning moment, Jesus appeared to her. Now, I don't know what that would have been like, but it was most certainly life-changing. In fact, it wasn't just life-changing for her, it changed the course of human history. It changed the course of cosmic history, and this morning, my hope is that the resurrection can change me and change you. I hope the power of the resurrection can seep into your soul, and when you understand why the resurrection happened, that your life can be taken on a new course to transformation and hope and a relationship with Jesus. Mary had been shown grace in her life. And this story that we're telling this weekend is all about grace. It's all about hope. It's all about redemption. And we're going to experience all of those things as we this morning experience the moment that changed everything. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn in the Bible with me to John 20 beginning in verse 11. If you didn't bring a Bible, you'll see Bibles in that rack in front of you, and you can always grab that and turn to page 906. We also have a Ridgewood app that you can download, and you just touch Media and go to the study notes, either on the App Store or Google Play. We'll have the scriptures on the screen this morning as well. You can follow along, but we're excited about this story and the context of what we're going to look at here in this text is that Mary has come to the tomb. She has come to put spices on the body. When she arrives, she's confronted with the stone being rolled away. She's confronted with an empty tomb, and her first assumption is that somebody has stolen the body, which would not have been all that unusual in that time. But she's going to meet angels. She's about to meet the risen Jesus. And let's go to that story now. Verse 11 But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Well, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognized him. Jesus is alive. What an amazing moment. And the first thing we have to understand as we look at the resurrection story is that the resurrection is real. It is a real event. It's not a metaphor. It's not an analogy. It's not something that we've made up in order to have a crutch for faith. The resurrection is real. And one of the ways that we know that it was real is that a number of people saw Jesus after his resurrection. A lot of people saw Jesus. Mary, of course, saw him. The other woman that were with her saw him. The disciples on the road to Emmaus saw him. The the apostles saw him. Paul saw him later. And then even the people that were there as he ascended into heaven saw him. And so there wasn't just this one event. There were eyewitness accounts, and it's these eyewitness accounts that drove the story forward and helped build the church. And so, the resurrection of Jesus is real. And secondly, I would say for Mary Magdalene and for us, the power of the resurrection is life-changing. It is absolutely life-changing. There are some of you in this room this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had your life absolutely changed by the work of God in you. And at Ridgewood Church, we're excited about the message of the resurrection, we're excited about the hope that it brings, we're excited about how it changes lives. And Neil already chronicled many of the events that we want to do for our community, to invite them to join us to hear about this hope, Vacation Bible School, and Wednesday nights, and the marriage night. We also have something here called MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, where women from the community can come and we take care of their kids and they can fellowship and they can find some foundational hope in their lives. We have AA groups here and so forth. We have our own scouting troop. We want to be involved with our community because we believe that the resurrection is life changing. One of the big things we're working on right now is we are going to change our building. We're going to fix it up a bit. We're going to change some parking. We're going to add children's safety as a high priority. So hopefully when you come back next year, you may not even recognize the place. But we want to be a community worker, a place where the community can come, because we believe that the resurrection is life changing. No one thought this was possible. Mary, I'm sure, Never thought this was possible. Now, Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala, which is named after the town that she came from on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, is a largely misunderstood woman of the Bible. She's long been haunted by this idea that she was a prostitute. But I don't think that's really the case. In fact, more likely, she was brought up in a wealthy family. In Mark, the gospel writer said in 1540 and 41 that she was among the women who followed Jesus and provided for Jesus, so there was some financial acumen there. In many of the liberal writings of today, she's also seen by some as the possible wife of Jesus or the mother of his children, but these likely come from just Gnostic gospels that aren't really true and don't fit in the Bible. But having said all of that, there is one thing true of Mary Magdalene. She had had demons cast out of her by Jesus. Jesus had freed her. In Luke 8, 1 and 2, the Bible says this, Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, and Mary called Magdalene, from whom demons were cast out. Seven demons were cast out. Now, if you, if you don't understand this whole idea of demons, it's kind of confusing, except I'll just make it simple. Demons are fallen angels. Demons have power, but they aren't as powerful as God, but they do harass us. And they do make our lives difficult. And Mary was being harassed by demons, and Jesus had freed her. And so she followed him in gratefulness and thankfulness. And now here she is chosen by God to be a part of this moment that changed everything. And I believe that we here this morning have been chosen to be here together in order to try to understand this amazing moment. Now, after this time in the Bible, there's nothing else said about Mary Magdalene, but we do see that the resurrection, the the authorities of the day tried to squash the Jesus movement. It didn't work very well. And in fact, it energized the people who built the church, like Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter. And Paul, as he went about evangelizing, they were energized by the resurrection because they were witnesses of, or close witnesses of, this incredible event. It is life-changing. In Acts 4.33, the Bible says, "...and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all." Power. There's power in the resurrection. Jesus had been crucified in the ugliest of ways three days before. No wonder Mary wasn't looking for a risen person. She was at the cross. She had seen it all happen. And now she's standing looking at Jesus alive. It's real. It's life-changing. But more importantly, we know that the power of the resurrection saves souls. As Mary interacted with Jesus, we understand this is a supernatural event. We understand that Jesus is no ordinary healer or teacher or leader. Not only had He risen from the dead, which is, I guess, kind of an amazing stunt in itself, He was disguising Himself so that Mary didn't Notice it was him until it was time. When he was with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he disguised himself until it was time for them to see him. And maybe this morning it's time for you to finally see Jesus for who he really is. Because if you are willing to put your faith in Jesus, he will bring a new sense of hope into your life. The Bible says there is a future ahead for you that's unimaginable. In 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, the Bible tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Belief in Jesus Christ causes that inheritance to be in heaven for you. No decay. It's there. Now, we don't know what that's like because things in our world, they become useless and they decay. How many yard sales do you see this time of year? Lots of them. And I'm sure that there will be a day when Wendy will be gone for hours and hours I think she's left me, and where she'll be is stopping by yard sales. She's looking at me funny. I think I may have just blown this whole thing. Why do we have yard sales? It's because all of these things that we thought were so important in our lives at the time, we don't need them anymore. And so now they're sitting out on a table, we can buy them for a couple of bucks. Things become useless, things decay. But where Jesus is taking us, will never, ever, ever see decay. It is the hope of those who put their relationship in Jesus Christ. And Peter says, it's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Now, as we walk through this life, some of this is hard to believe because many of us struggle to make sense of life. And we feel that something is missing in our lives, and that's why so many people are on long spiritual journeys, and they make one stop at every religion and are trying to find what this all means. And we all ask that one important question, which is, why am I here? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And that's a question, of course, that's been debated since the beginning of mankind. Why are we here? But the power of the resurrection provides those kinds of answers. Jesus has created us to have relationship with Him. We have a wiring to have a relationship with God. And when we don't have that relationship, we feel like things are off. We feel like things are amiss, and so we are here because God wants us to be His children. One of the reasons we feel that things are so messed up is because the first man and first woman who, of course, fathered the human race, Adam and Eve, fell into sin. And Adam was seen by God as the representative of the human race. And so as Adam was plunged into sin, so were we. He's our representative, or was our representative. And that's why we have war and poverty and injustice and oppression and addiction. That's why we have sexual abuse. There would be no Me Too movement needed if we hadn't been plunged into sin. And even this morning, we see the horrible effects of sin as bombs are going off in churches in Sri Lanka and in hotels there. It's because of sin. But Jesus came to make things right. In 1 Corinthians, we see this amazing passage that we can count on to know that Jesus has come to do something new. For as by a man came death, by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's why we celebrate the resurrection, because our first representative was not a good representative. He he plunged us into sin, but Jesus came to make right all that had gone wrong, and he had to come, and he had to become a man, and he had to die on a cross to do that so our questions could be answered. Why am I here? I'm here because I've been created to have a relationship with God. My purpose is to walk with God. My destiny as a believer in Jesus is to live in heaven with God forever. And so I never have to get up in the morning and ask what my purpose is. I know my purpose. And it's far beyond anything this world can offer. Jesus wants to adopt you as his child and so you can have new life. Transformation, and you can live with him forever. You see, Jesus had to go to the cross. You and I couldn't have done that because we're not the perfect lamb of sacrifice. Jesus was, and he went to the cross and he died, and he died a horrible, awful death. But then, even more so, he rose from the grave to defeat death forever. And when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you no longer ever have to wonder, what's going to happen to me when I die? You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will be with Christ. And so this morning, I'm asking you to be like Mary and to see the risen Christ. Mary laid her eyes on the risen Christ. And I'm asking you to do that this morning. I don't want you to wait another minute. Sometimes God speaks to us. He speaks to us in different ways. We all hear Him differently. But for me, I know that God is speaking when I feel that familiar tightening in my chest. Or my heart begins to beat a little bit harder. And I know that God is speaking to me. And maybe God is speaking to you this morning. Maybe he's saying, now's the time to finally realize your purpose and become my child. Now is the time to end that spiritual wandering and come home. Maybe that's what he's saying to you. In order to realize all of this, the Bible says it's by faith. In Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's not complicated. In verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Don't have to go to catechism class. Don't have to register to be the all-time church attendance record holder. It comes through belief. It comes through faith. And I know that God loves you and has a plan for you and wants to rescue you, just like he rescued Mary Magdalene. He's rescued me. He's freed me from the chains of sin, and he can do the same for you. The Bible says that the way this happens is that first we need to understand that we are a sinner. And so in your own life, you can be thinking through, even if you don't buy this whole inherited sin idea and that you're thinking, well, why should I be responsible for Adam's bad choices? I think most of us can just weave through our own lives and say, wow, I've really, really hurt people. I've really done some things that I'm ashamed of. That's coming to grips with sin. And then secondly, we need to understand that it's only Jesus that can rescue us from that sin. And that's why he went to the cross. He paid the penalty for sin. And we can trust him with our salvation. And so after we realize that we are a sinner, then we invite Jesus into our lives as our Lord and Savior. And we trust him with our salvation. And we experience the forgiveness of sin and new life and transformation and we are rescued from the penalty of sin, which is an eternity without God in torment. It's an important decision. Deciding whether to follow Jesus is the most important decision one will ever make. Because it affects not only this life and our relationships and how we do this life and our joy and all of the things that come with that, but it has an incredible eternal perspective to it. And so this morning I'm asking you, to see Jesus just like Mary saw Jesus by simply coming to grips with sin by believing that Jesus is the one who can rescue you from that sin and inviting him to be your lord and savior and giving yourself to him now i'm not saying that everything's going to turn out great in the in the near term you may You may have things going on in your life that are going to take a while to work out, but one thing I can guarantee you is that over time, your heart will be transformed into something brand new. And then someday when it's your time to go, you will be with Jesus forever, and you'll never have to wonder about that. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So why don't we all just put away our stuff and just take a few minutes to to pray and to listen to what God might be saying to us this morning. Sometimes silence is a gift. So I want to give you a couple of minutes of silence this morning. You're a believer. Maybe he's just saying, come a little closer. I want a little bit more of you because I want to bless you more. Come closer. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe he's saying, now's the time. And again, all this takes is in your spirit to say, I know I'm a sinner. I know you can save me. And I want to give you my life so that you can be my Lord and Savior. I want to give you just a minute to say that prayer. And if you can't say it perfectly, God understands your heart. And then I'll close us in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast.